Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Why Do You Think You've Got No Friends? My name is Emily Lang. I'm an actress, writer, singer, codependent, and constantly ever-recovering addict. And this is the All Open podcast where I and others discuss the moments, little to large, when we really felt, however briefly and in whatever capacity, like we had no friends. Today is an enormous coup. I don't know how I managed it, but I have got my brother on. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is the one and only JB Lane. Podcast host, entrepreneur, reality TV star, Strictly Come Dancing finalist, the list goes on and on. Now, I sometimes get this, and I know that Jamie has it far more, but there are a lot of people who are very ready to believe that a very perfect life exists, when in reality, only a fraction of it, and often only the best parts are being shown. No one really knows what is going on behind the scenes, and it's important to remember that everyone is going through something. And Jamie will tell you himself that he is a pro at putting on a brave face. It's an enormous understatement, but denying feelings and pretending to be A-OK sucks an incredible amount of energy. And if you felt it, you'll know what I mean when I say that forcing yourself to smile when smiling is the last thing you want to do is not only exhausting, but really very upsetting. It's why we should remember to check in on even our seemingly happiest friends. Nothing is simple. And simply, nothing is perfect. We are sitting in a London restaurant, descriptive, and the weather is pretty steamy. We're coming to the end of summer. And um, in this moment, Jamie, why do you think you've got no friends? Oh, my God. Okay, (laughs) so... um... I actually, I, I know this is like the, the title of your podcast, but actually in that moment, I definitely didn't think I had any friends. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me just, let me just backtrack a little bit. So I, I've been doing Made in Chelsea for like ages, right? Yes, 2016, you've been on it a while. I've been on it a while. So I've been on, so how old is it in 2016? I must have been 27. So I think I was 27 at the time. A beautiful age. You a were so beautiful, convinced yeah, you were going to die. Age, yeah, by the time you get to 27... You're kind of at that stage where firstly, it's quite, you, your body's knackered mm-hmm. and you're tired. So I've been doing main Chelsea for a while, drinking a lot because I was covering up my anxiety and all these different things. Mm-hmm. And it was that summer uh, was when I w- was going to go to South, I went to South France to film in the South of France. And before I went out there, I remember sitting in my apartment there, showing my friend Robbo. I was going to South of France the next day. I was like, oh, maybe I'll go and have a night out tonight. And I remember checking, going onto my phone and thinking, who... Do I message? Mm. Can message anyone? Mm-hmm. Because I had pushed away a lot of my old friends. I had made a lot of new friends, but I didn't really know them. And I just wanted to go and have a beer with someone, I remember, or whatever it was. And I just didn't know 
who to connect with. Mm. So I actually didn't really, I, I was a real douchebag. And I remember, um, not that I'm anything like him, but he's that guy who's had loads of, he's the thing who's had loads of plastic surgery. Um, Barry Manilow? <laughs> I think Barry Manilow. Barry, I saw an article with him and he basically said, Barry Manilow said um, that when he became, like, I wasn't famous, for goodness sake, but when he became really famous, yeah. he, um, he basically was just a douchebag to all of his mates and then he came crawling back to them. And I, and I remember yeah. seeing this years ago and I remember thinking, why would anyone ever do that? And actually what happens is that if you get any sort of profile, you just live a, like an egotistical, like unrelatable, uh, unrealistic life that is self, full of selfishness, right? And that's yeah. what I was doing. Anyway, went south of France, was having a pretty weird time. Um, my emotions were like up and down all the time. Mm-hmm. And, like, and, and for the past few years, my emotions had been up and down. It's like severe anxiety, then low-level anxiety. It was like, it never, it was always, it was always, it was just always anxiety. It was like a little spirit on your shoulder that oh, sometimes shout really loudly. It was a constant stream of just anxiety. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it was really intense, sometimes it wasn't. Anyway, I uh, went to South France, my emotions were up and down all the time. And my emotions had almost turned to like feeling flat. <laughs> and uh, I came back from South France and um, this low, this anxiety was there, but I was feeling flat and not, not depressed, but like flat. But like I was, and I'm such a high energy person. So yeah. when I, I think when I drop, my energy drops, that's me going like, oh shit, because I'm living at such a, like a certain level. Yeah, you're full speed ahead. And then when it drops, you don't really recognize yourself. And it's very so what the fuck is this? Yeah. So anyway, I was feeling very flat and came back. So that was a bit weird. Came back from South France, still feeling a bit weird. And I was having an argument with my then girlfriend at the time. And I was in Jaconi's restaurant in Mayfair. I remember it so well. And we had just gone, we had just gone to go and get malaria jabs to go and do a trip somewhere. I think there were people, I don't know where, maybe going South to, Africa? I don't know, maybe, I, I was going to get, and then, I don't know, we we're going to get malaria jabs with Sam Thompson, Spencer, Matthews, and myself. What a party. Yeah, a real party. And we were in this restaurant, and suddenly I was having another argument with my ex-girlfriend, and suddenly, the only way I can describe it, it was like a filter going over my eyes. And it was like I was suddenly in, I don't know if you've ever like woken up and been so hungover. Yeah, you have. Oh my God, yeah, have yeah, I? Yeah. If you, anyone has. <laughs> yeah, when you wake up and feel so hungover. Yeah. And then you have to spend the day where you're so hungover that you don't really know what you're doing. You're mm-hmm. almost like, did I go to the bathroom? I can't really remember. Did I mm-hmm. eat that fruit? Did I speak? I can't, you don't really know what's happening. It was basically like that, like an Instagram filter over my eyes. It was this suck ass moment mm-hmm. where I was like, what the hell is this? And then it just stayed there, didn't go for like two weeks. Yeah, it's frightening. Stayed there, but, but I was like... But you know what that is? Yeah, yeah, I know what it is now. Disassociation. Disassociation. What a buzzword, disassociation. Or depersonalization, depersonalization. as I was told it was at the time. Yeah. Um, and anyway, so I didn't know what this thing was. And I was like freaking out so bad. I wasn't really freaking out. It was just more like, you, okay, you know when you, you're depressed or anxious or whatever it is, oh, that's yeah. the only thing you can think about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it, like nothing else. Mind. Nothing else exists. It's the same as like if you are in an anxious attachment relationship and you're just waiting for this person to text you. It doesn't matter what the fuck else yeah, is going yeah. on. All your all your energy and attention is on this one thing. It doesn't. You like food goes out the window. All of your baseline needs. Yeah. Just fuck off. And actually, this God, we can talk for hours about this. There's so many pieces of advice, right? But mm. uh, for for me, the best piece of advice I received when you, depression is different. Right, mm. depression is you start. It's chemical. It's situational. Whatever, but, yeah. it, but it affects you in different ways. But with anxiety, anxiety you're in fight or flight mode. Mm-hmm. Right, so your adrenaline is high. You're freaking out. You're all these different things. Yeah, high um, vigilant. And the best and worst piece of advice I ever received was when I first experienced anxiety when I was like 22 or whatever it was, and a panic attack. Um, that sucked. Uh, that, was a, that was a real bad moment. Oh my god. <laughs> Thinking you're dying, and then that lasting for six months. I couldn't even leave the house. It was, I, it was all, the whole thing was miserable. Anyway, um, someone said to me when I first saw him, they said, oh, you'll learn to live with it. Mm. And I was like, screw this. I do not want to live with this. No ways. And they didn't explain it to me. And actually, it's the best piece of advice, but the worst. So to someone who's just experiencing it, when you mm. experience something like anxiety, all you do is fear it. Mm-hmm. You're scared mm-hmm. of it, scared of it, scared of it. And that just feeds into the anxiety, right? Yeah, that's what course. happens. Well, that's exactly it. And that's kind of what I'm trying with all of this to explain is that 
if we hide away from these things, if we almost pretend they're not happening, they get worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And then it manifests into this massive ball of shit that then pours out at another moment. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to take responsibility for these things and take action against them and like kind of understand that they're just like a part of you. Yeah. They're a part I, of you. And when they come up, being able to be like, oh, there you are. Yeah. yeah. It, it, that's exactly it, Lou. And, mm. and there's something called feathering, I think they call it. I listen to that mind sweep. What the hell is that? that? Mind, mind space. Mind. Headspace. <laughs> mind space. Mind headspace. Sweep. Mind sweep. <laughs> Jesus, I would love a mind sweep out sometimes. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so uh, the headspace, and he said, all you've got to do is feather it. And feathering is basically where instead of you grabbing hold yeah. of this feeling, this emotion, whatever it is, yeah. you notice that it's there yeah. and you move on. Yeah, okay, yeah. I, I would freaking grab this thing like it was a bull and not let go and I'd freak out right so yeah. all this time experiencing anyway so this fog-like experience happened and it was like for two weeks mm. and typical me it's the only thing I can think of yeah and I'm scared of anxiety I'm scared of all these different things I don't know what they are I'm 27 years old I'm freaking out I'm freaking out about a career I'm mm. freaking out about work I'm freaking out about taking the wrong path I have no friends all this mm. different stuff mm. and I'm like what the hell is this feeling and I would always think that my sort of unique selling point was the fact that I was hyper and fun and, and yeah. all these different things and situations. I could chat to anyone. Yeah. But this was engulfing my life. So then it was even ruining my USP, my sense of self. Mm. So I then went to a therapist at last and I just ignored therapists for so long. You don't know what you're talking about. Turns out they do. <laughs> Turns out therapists really know what they're so talking weird, about. that multi-million Yeah, dollars. yeah, exactly. They know what they're talking about. Um and I went to this therapist and they said they don't know what it is. Mm. And I said, I was just trying to describe it. But isn't that the scariest thing? That's oh. that's the scariest thing when someone goes, oh, no, uh, no, that experience, I've never had that. I've, yeah. like, and then you're like, like well, what the, it's got to be something. And, and then you like spiral into, am I making this up? Like, am awesome. I the only one who has this? Is this ever going to end? My, this therapist then sent me to a psychotherapist. I didn't even know what a psychotherapist was at the mm -hmm. time. But there's a difference between a therapist and a psychotherapist. There is, yeah. And this th the psychotherapist tested me and he said, you have something called depersonalization. And I said, what's that? And he said, it was when you have experienced a lot of things and your body is in autopilot mode. Yeah. You've pushed yourself to the brink and you're in autopilot mode. And I said, well, what do you mean? He says, well, you typically get it when you have severe anxiety, severe depression, PTSD. Yep. Severe thing. Depersonalization is like some people get it on like a, a so mine was constant. Yeah. yeah. My, mine had 24 hours a day, never stopped. Did you Just feel rare. like, because I'm in the past when I've had it, I felt like things hit me at slow motion. Like I couldn't, if someone said something to me, I like wouldn't be able to take in properly what they'd said and respond. Yeah, I just didn't feel like I existed. That's the only way I put it. I didn't that's, feel like I existed. That, yeah, it's exactly that. I feel like if you cut off your arm, yeah, it would bleed. I, I, and everything. And I, and, and I would, you know, I would, um, someone would say to me, oh, I'm out of breath. And then I go, well, I can't breathe properly. Or yeah. someone would, I would see someone blinking and I would then, couldn't stop blinking. Like I was in such a really intense state of anxiety. Mm. And anyway, he said it's a deep anxiety. I said, what's He said it's when depression, anxiety, PTSD, really severe things. But also it get, you can have it when you have um, psychosis. So I, typical anxiety person, cling on to the most, the worst one, the most colourful. It has to be that one. Of course it's the worst one. Yeah. So I thought I was going mad. The problem with that, and that's actually a typical scenario when people have depersonalization. They actually think they're going mad because they can't, there's no um, reasonable explanation for how you're feeling that way. So you think you must be going mad. Yeah. And a therapist or psychotherapist will say to you, Listen, if you're going mad, you probably don't know. And you go, no, well, I know this is me. I'm different. I'm changed to this. It's this. Oh, I'm, I'm the odd one out. I know what's happening. Yeah. All these kind of things go through. And because I thought I was going mad, I then became more anxious mm -hmm. and more obsessed with this being. So that intensifies it, you know, just terrible. And yeah. it lasted for six months. And I would go to bed at night and I'd wake up in the morning and I wouldn't want to open my eyes because if I opened my eyes, I would see this fog. Yeah. And I didn't know who to talk to or where to turn or yeah. all these different things. And I was constantly asking for reassurance from different people. And yeah. I went on holiday with my girlfriend at the time. It's the first time I'd rested because I'd always been a hard worker and burning candle at both ends. I'd party at the night and I'd work in the day and I wouldn't stop. Mm -hmm. And I finally uh, went on holiday and I remember playing backgammon in Dubai on the beach and then I turned to my girlfriend at the time and suddenly it was like this Instagram filter had lifted wow it just went wow it just literally just boom gone it was like someone fl flicked the lights on it was so strange wow and I was like what the hell yeah and I, I was like oh my god what and I didn't feel as anxious and I was like oh my god for six months I felt this way 
And then I was for, again, for about another two months, I was so scared it was going to come back. To the point now, Lou, where sometimes if I really think about it, I can get scared. This is six years ago, seven years ago. I can yeah. still get scared of getting that But I, I remember this time because I remember you calling me and going, is this ever going to end? Is this, is this ever going to end? Oh. And, and I was like, yes, it, it will end. I'm probably unhelpful to say, but I said it will end, but it will probably come again and you have to be okay with that. Yeah. And I don't think that was probably very helpful. But the thing is, no, that is helpful. Yeah. And that is that, that that is a really helpful statement. Again, that's the same thing which you're probably saying, mm. which is you learn to live with these things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and for me, the, the most important thing for anyone who experiences stuff is you you lean into it. Don't lean away from it. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. and for me, I had always leaned away. Always been scared. Always leaning away. Always leaning away. No, 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 no. I don't. Oh God, like, ah, God, no ways. Mm. It's not me. It's not me. I'm confident. I'm outgoing. None of this. Yeah. And it just makes it worse. And actually. The real turning point for me was our lovely therapist, or my lovely therapist, Mal, who you've met many times. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on holiday with mum and Jonathan, our, my, our stepfather. <laughs> yeah, and we were, we were on holiday. And this was like, I reckon, two years ago. And I, I, I mean, we know I've experienced loads of different things going on that I really haven't even gone into detail with loads of time. Yeah. And we we were there and I spoke to a man on the phone and I was feeling a bit funky. And she said, Jamie, the one thing I wish for you is you would just accept. Just accept, this is you, that you're possibly an anxious person. Just accept it. Yeah. And until you just accept, it's never going. And that holiday, mm. I went, okay, I'm going to give this acceptance a go. Because what I had done before that was Sophie, uh, my fiance. Is I'd never believed in monogamy, maybe because of the force. I remember, yeah, yeah, I remember you saying this. You said you never believed in monogamy until you met Sophie. So I said, okay, what happens if I do give this a go? What happens if I lean into this and and accept the fact that actually maybe monogamy is a right thing? And so I leant into it and it was the best thing I ever did. And I was like, oh my God, I feel so great about stuff. And it was the same with this moment with Mao. She said, well, why don't you lean into this and just accept you have anxiety? I think since that moment mm. that I went, all right, I'm going to give this a go and accept it. Rather than fight it every time, well, just yeah. accept it. It's, um, it I haven't had it since. I think it's about an element of control when you're desperately trying to control something. There's a lot of things that comes with codependency. I, I don't think you're a codependent, but they come, you want to control the situation. You want to have ownership over this thing and like keep it at bay. Mm. Whereas if you just sort of take a step back and let it be, things will happen as they will happen. And it, your whole life sort of just smooths out. Yeah. You really, but it's a, it is about acceptance. I think there's a, there's a big thing about um, when you do accept something, you accept this part of yourself that is a bit ugly and a bit sticky and uncomfortable and you sit with it. And I've definitely struggled with that in the past with things like my CPTSD. Um, I go like, I'm a trauma survivor. That's who I am. And there are so many other things besides yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. But it is, but it is very much a part of a part of you, and it just needs to be. It needs to be carried with a lightness of touch. Yeah, but I think I try. I, I try to sort of almost preach that to you sometimes, where I think, and look, this isn't. This is not a bad thing at all, and I think a lot of people do this. But um, I think you would almost wear some of your issues as a rosette. Oh yeah, well, what I wanted to do, and I realised it um, a while ago. I think I, I was in rehab actually when I had a big revelation that um, because. When I was little, I felt so ignored and neglected mm-hmm. that now when I, well, not now anymore, I'm not doing it, but I definitely used to unintentionally go see my pain. Yeah. Look, I'm in, I'm in pain, yeah, help yeah. me. And so I would show, like, do more to show my pain. Yeah, yeah. Whereas without trusting that I could just go, I need help and people would hear it because I felt the only way to get help was to be as extreme as possible. Yeah, and completely. that but was unintentional. It was a completely unintentional thing. It was, um, it was a childhood trauma response going, I need to show you my pain. Whereas people were like, we can fucking see you're in pain. Mm. You don't need to shout it from the rooftops. Yeah, but I think with you also, that becomes wanting to be on stage and wanting to be mm, in that place. I no, I don't, no, I don't think so. I, don't, I think that's a separate part of me. Um, I think that the, the trauma responses come from a very, very deeply wounded place. I think that me being an actress comes from my very artistic brain. Yeah. Um, no, I think I think it is. I don't. I don't think it's uh, it's separated. I, I I think it is separated. I mean, like because um, I don't do the uh, the see my pain thing anymore. Mm. 
Um, yeah, but, but you don't. I, maybe, but, but why don't you do that anymore? Do you think? because I I understood what I was doing. Yeah. Now now I understand that I was I was really really frightened and really and felt very alone and therefore felt that the only way I could get help was by showing people that yeah. I was that I was in pain. But but also it's it's one of these things, right? Which is you know I think. We live in this like current climate, right, where we look for outside sources all the time to cure our pain. Oh yeah, and, and we're so used to instant relief. Yeah, in, in every sort of life. So um, immediate gratification—it's what addiction is. Yeah, well, you you know you, exactly. You pick up a pint, you get drunk, right? Yep. It's quick. You take a pill, you're high. You know, um, you go click on YouTube and you get insane. You can watch porn in one second. So it's so a stimulant. So like there within seconds. Right? Mm-hmm. The really tricky thing about um, mental health is is that when something occurs, it's, it's not going to cure quickly. And um, the hardest thing as well is that actually fundamentally, people can give you tools and people can help you along the way with CBT or psychotherapy or therapy or whatever it may be. But actually, fundamentally, it's you who has to help yourself. Yeah. And you have to have the self-awareness to realise. I think you've gained that self-awareness. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. It's, um, I've now gained like a huge awareness um, around my issues. But I had no, I had like, we've talked about this before, I had no fucking idea what was going on for ages. I was just, flou- I was literally in survival mode constantly. And now I understand my triggers and how I respond to things. And can Yeah, but I think like- also that's because you're now sober, right? Oh, and yeah. And so, and sobriety is like, Sobriety that, is... that like metaphorical hangover and literal hangover from your brain. Oh So you can gosh. see the cloud from the trees or whatever. The, the, wood, the wood from the trees. The wood, <laughs> you can the see the man. cloud. You can see the wicker from the trees. <laughs> you see Slender Man from the trees. <laughs> see the wicker man. See the... <laughs> Slender Man fire. Inside. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean, Lily, yeah? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I can see the wood from the trees. That, like... I can now, because I now know that I am not my feelings. Yeah. And I now don't believe everything that my brain is telling me. And I can go, and like, I think I've told you this before, and it's in my podcast, I think episode four or something, where I talk about how I've named the, the, the part of me that is, that is still very unhealed and very traumatized. And that part of me is called Persephone. Um, because I thought it was funny because Persephone spends half the year in hell and I spend half my time in hell. <laughs> Is there, a, is there an idea that because you have named this trauma mm. and this uh, Persephone, mm. that you can then use that as a story for people? And, and actually, it makes it interesting. So you can go and you can use that. And, yeah. and be honest with yourself at the moment. Have you gone to places that, oh, by the way, I call mine Persephone? And, and maybe it's not. And maybe you do no. it subconsciously. No, um, because I've only ever talked about it once. And that was in the podcast. I never talk about it to other people. Okay. If they ask me for... Um, if I'm like specifically asked about how I handle it, I might mm. bring it up then. It's just helpful for me to yeah. go, oh, there it is. Hi, I'm greeting you. You're here today. I acknowledge your presence. Let's continue with the day. And you and you definitely don't think it comes from a creative part of your mind. I think it does. I think it probably where, is creative. Where you think it's, you, you, maybe for yourself or for others, it's, it's more entertaining. It's like, it's not as frightening. Yeah um maybe and maybe and maybe it is more fun maybe you're mm-hmm. right there's there is something creative about it and also I always make myself laugh about the Persephone thing being like I spend half my time in hell but that's like <laughs> but then but then I would myself. do you know what Sophie said to me so this is the whole thing that happened for so long so mm. um I remember when uh one of the worst times I ever had oh my god this sucked like I, like when I had my first panic attack okay yeah uh that Oh, when that had cooled down mm. after nine hours, I thought I was going to die. I, honestly, it was the worst thing ever. And I didn't know what the hell was going on. And already, I was already anxious about realising. Um, going to sleep that night mm. was one of the worst days of my life. Yeah. That was a really bad time. I mean, like a really bad time. Cut to, you know, many years later. This is before lockdown. I just started dating Sophie. You, we were skiing. In uh, oh, in Morsian, yeah, in Morsian. that was yeah, that was like the just before, just yeah, before yeah. We were skiing, and uh, about four days before Christmas, I had gone and bought a camera from uh, Harrods. I remember, make it relatable, and um, <laughs> I uh, was walking back, and suddenly I felt this real just sense of doom. Yeah, doom. I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah. And loads of things have been going on that would take another whole podcast for, but loads of things, MIC, all these different things are going on. Yeah. Anyway, um, and it just didn't shift, yeah. didn't move. 
Yeah. And it was this real sense of lowness, low, low, low. And we went skiing mm-hmm. and it was there all the time, never left. Mm. Churchill calls it the black dog. It was just there barking at my shoulder the entire time. Mm. And there was this one night um, where I was alone in the chalet. You were there. And it was so bad. Oh. But I never told anyone ever. No, I never I never spoke to anyone about it. Yeah, I was just, I closed it. I don't know, typical person to close it. I just yeah, closed it. Yeah, never told anyone. of course you wouldn't. The only person I sort of mentioned it to was Sophie. I said, Sophie, I just don't feel that normal. Yeah. I, I knew what I just felt. Oh, I felt awful. Awful. Yeah. Maybe for mum, maybe. I can't remember. Anyway, I felt really, real bad. And um that then just didn't shift. Right. That stayed with me for like four months. Yeah. And finally, after doing checks and checks, I found out that I had burnout. And that again was from anxiety and just driving myself into the ground. Like because you go full speed ahead constantly. Oh, all the time. But, but it was different burnout, right? So so typically, like, actually, therapists get it or doctors get it heavily. Do- dentists do. Where basically they're seeing patient after patient after patient after patient after patient doing the same thing. Oh, bob, 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 never stopping, never stopping. They get burnout. And, and I mean, burnout is where you have no, nothing gives you excitement. Yeah. You have no excitement. So all your pleasures in life disappear. Uh-huh. You typically feel a form of depression or anxiety, which I never felt. And you... Just don't understand. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What's going on? And I basically had burnout where I had lost all love for anything. So even the thought of playing golf or seeing my friend, I was like, Mm. or whatever. And people say, well, that's depression. No, it wasn't depression. It was different. And I, I remember thinking this, I remember I became philosophical. Mm. So I remember thinking, well, what's the point of living? If we all die in the end, what's the point? Sure. And that's a real dangerous place to get to because life is full of like everything. And I, I'm such a believer in life. I think life is amazing. And I had that real uh, sense of burnout. And then lockdown hit. And we were in lockdown together. Big time. You weren't feeling great. Oh, I and was. And I wasn't feeling I great. I was a mess. Mess. And you weren't feeling I was feeling We were living together. And Sophie was the only one here. And Sophie, Sophie was the only normal one. And anyway, it brings me back to the, the cyclical is, is that Sophie used to say to me, mm. and burnout is different because you just can't, couldn't find any joy at that time. And that sounds really dark. No, no, but it's true. Any semblance of joy is just completely, like it's evacuated from your life. A positive thought um, is far more powerful than a negative one. Yeah, for sure. And it's much easier to go to the negative thought because it, that sort of... Oh, yeah, you're, you're protecting yourself. Again, yeah. And, survival and it, mode, your catastrophe. The reason you catastrophize is to, like, witness the worst, worst case scenario. So then you're prepared for it. It's, it's defense mechanism. It's almost like... Um, because I really feel like all of this should be dealt with a lightness of touch. Because when it comes to mental health, I feel like there's a very polarized response that either it's very, very, very serious and um, and you're being like punched in the face by it, or it's a choice and it's not real. Mm. And there seems to be not much of a middle ground hanging around. And I do think that there is a certain amount of humour that can be taken with it. Like, and when I've been to... Um, fellowship meetings like AA and SLAA, there is always humor around it. People are always laughing. They'll be like, you'll never fucking guess what I did back in 2015. <laughs> and I'll be like, yeah. I'll be like, that's really terrible, but it's also really funny. Yeah, of course. Like some of the shit that I did, I have to, I have to laugh at it. Yeah. I have to be like, oh, you poor lost soul. Um, but it has like, it has informed me. It has 
altered me in a way in the most positive amazing way it's the moments that are really really terrible why is it there's a Rilke a Rilke quote where it's like feel everything joy and despair feel feel everything joy and despair nothing nothing is permanent yeah, yeah nothing, nothing is permanent is and so when you feel like something is overwhelming you and it's never going to lift it will it will it's just taking responsibility for it and doing what is best for you to be able to move forward. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, 100%. And also things, everything leads to that one moment or that this time or whatever it is. And yeah. so whatever path you're on, as much as it feels shit and stuff like that, and also yeah. I think we're given gl- moments of glimmer yeah. where like, you, you can either choose to grab it or not grab it. Yeah. Right? And some people miss opportunities. Basically. Yeah. But I've let go of control. That's a big thing for me. Yeah. Like I mean, going, yeah. I'm, I cannot control everything i cannot control other people's emotions i can only control myself and even that's difficult and also forget trying to trying to control your emotions yeah yeah, or like i mean you you know you you i think you and i both have we're control freaks so so we would control you know i mean you spoke about this with like food or whatever it is yeah 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 you just switch it onto something whatever is closest yeah yeah let go of all of that. I think that's such a it's such a powerful thing to do. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. You know, and, and it it does. And I know 100%. I've spoken about this so much before, but genuinely, I I thought in January I was like, I am done. I can I will never recover from this. Yeah. And eight months later, I had this experience, um, which I will be able to talk more about in twenty twenty three or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I wouldn't give it back for anything. I would not give it back. For the world. Yeah, there you go. So so whatever you've done and what you've led you to yourself to mm. is this is so you're on the right path. Yeah. And this this is usually the part of the episode where um we talk about how you were informed by that experience and what you've taken from it. But actually I think we've kind of said it. That filter that came over your eyes, as terrible as it was, mm-hmm. it did inform you about your behavior. Absolutely. And, and helped you regulate yourself. And, and without that, you wouldn't be happy today. So actually, thank God that thing happened. Oh my God, Lou! Like you, like I, I, you, I kind of thought about that in a sort of sense. But it's so true. What you mm. said no. If that experience hadn't happened to me, mm. I would still be drinking. Yeah, hundred percent. I would still be. Uh, I would not be in a relationship. Yeah. I would be all over the place. I wouldn't be connected with my family as much as I am. Yeah. Or. Like be, I'm I'm massively empathetic towards people. Always, I'm self aware now. Yeah, and, and you're so much better with your relationships and your friendships of not allowing like everybody into your life and yeah, letting yeah, and yeah. letting people take a lot from you. You're much more concise and considered when it comes to your relationships, and also you value them a lot more. Absolutely, you value your friendships and your relationships so much more. And without that terrible fucking like that awful experience and that sickening feeling, as bad as it was, it changed your life. That's actually a really good. One. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, I was drinking heavily. All these different things. The only reason I stopped drinking, doing all these different things, is because my I, my brain couldn't take it anymore. Mm. And so my brain gave me the reason why that happened is it gave me a thing like just stop. Yeah, just just stop. It's like what happened. What happened to me in January? Yeah, the worst experience in my life. If that hadn't happened, I would probably be dead. And I'm. I remember trying to sit with you in therapy and being like, "Holy shit!" I mean, I was talk uh, about disassociation. I was barely there. I know. I was actually like, "This is just not good." What is going on? And I I didn't want to be so honest with you because I was was afraid what you were going to do if I was honest. But I was I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, and we were discussing how once you enter a sober life in whatever capacity, whatever form that takes, because a sober life does not look the same for everybody. Mm -hmm. But before a sober life. You all of your energy is being put into like drinking and then getting over a hangover or getting over a come down. Totally. And suddenly when that comes back, and I think a lot of what you have said in the past and my friends have said and mum has said, it's been like, I was had all this potential and this talent. And you were like, you're not doing anything with it. No. And the minute I got, not the minute, it took a couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> the second here I am, rehab. Yeah, yeah. But like a couple of months down the line is when I started this podcast and put all of my energy into creating something that I'm really proud of yeah. and has and is helping other people. I hope. No, um, and that's what happens, right? And and what's you so create great, space in your life for that. Yeah, and what's so great, right, is um, yeah, you you can't see that when you're in the woods, though. No, you, just, you have no clue. Not what's when you're in those clouds. Yeah, <laughs> but when you're in the woods, you, you have no clue about that. And I just remember, I remember sitting with you and just being like, God, you just, you're so blinded by your own um, issues and things. You can't see, 
I I remember even saying to you like because you were you were refusing to go to rehab, and was this in January? Yeah, yeah, I did not want to go. You did not want to. You were refusing to go. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, this is not going that well, and and then I was just like, well, I'll get you a personal trainer. Why don't I? Even oh, oh yeah, yeah, and I had personal trainer, and I was like, no, you were like no but, ways. But I will hasten to add there that your that your way of feeling much better is by exercising and. Um, working out like yeah. that—that helps the endorphins. And I don't deny there is a massive connection between body and body mm-hmm. and mind, but that doesn't always work for me. In fact, I turn it into a bit of a punishment sometimes. Yeah, but I think you're looking at the. You're, you, I think that's yeah, totally. But you're yeah. looking at the sort of not the long game. Yeah, I wasn't. I, I wasn't telling you to go and train. Um, I think at the time I felt like I was like you were projecting your yeah. your own experience onto me, and I was like, "You are not me." You, you thought I was attacking you. Yeah, I thought I was being heavily attacked, and but that's always the case. I mean, like you never tell an addict they're an addict; they ain't gonna see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it wasn't attack. It was literally just. It was me just going. I wasn't saying, by the way, if you train, you're going to feel so much better because I feel better. My, it was more like, it was trying to change well, it was just 1%. an idea. It was like an yeah. idea. And I was, I was so, so resistant. I was, yeah, I was so, so resistant. resistant. And I was it. like, nope, 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 nope. You don't understand me. Nothing happens. And then, you know, finally, finally get into recovery. Imagine, like, refusing to go to rehab and we're going on holiday to Spain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know what I was going to do. And no one was effing doing anything. No one was doing anything. I was like, what is going Why is no one doing anything? But this, but this is the thing with me, like, showing my pain, um, is that I've always felt like that. I felt like I've been asking for help and asking for help and no one has done anything. Yeah. So anyway, my, my, my point is this, is, is about, like, our situation and I had to learn this as well. And you, you've you now figured it out. You're like, you're, you're smashing, you're doing this podcast. Mm. And you've realised that actually all of your trauma and stuff has led you to having that experience you had. Yeah. Like all of this stuff, you're like, well, I've done that. Mm. Right. And I think, I thought things were always going to land on my lap. Yeah. I was like, they're going to land on my lap. It's going to be right. And then I quickly, wouldn't quickly, but realised over time, holy smokes, they don't. And you actually have to fight. But isn't yourself. that so much better? Isn't mm. that so much better? Because then you 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 don't take everything for granted, and you take yeah. the, like since I had an experience where I just like I let go of a control over my career, and what comes my way will come my way. Mm-hmm. And I'm very and now I'm a very big believer in things that things happening for a reason, and what is for you will not go by you. Mm-hmm. And but it does when when you have to struggle for something, it does make you cherish the experiences far more. Absolutely, and of like course. you find so much more delight and joy because if something is constant, if something is always there, it becomes kind of mundane. Yeah. And I think that this is the thing with celebrity. Once you hit a point of feeling that you're untouchable, you go into I just say you. I this is a huge generalization. Yeah. It's not everyone, but hitting a level of fame that you become yeah you sort of feel untouchable and then start to take everything for granted and then if that fall from grace happens you land on a bed of nails yeah and you got nothing i think what happens in life right is that maybe i'm speaking for you and i shouldn't be doing that but definitely for me Mm. um i had such an easy life in terms of i never had to fight for my food i never had to fight for a roof over my head Mm. i never had to fight for new clothes, all these different things. And look, we had a troubled upbringing for divorce and things, and yours is worse than mine and different things. So emotionally, things weren't there for us. I get that. All girls born in school, I... I, I yeah, it was probably horrific. Horrific. Right? I definitely had to fight for food. Yeah, but not like someone... But, but not for like someone who is, you know... Oh, I'm not comparing that experience to like someone who was yeah, genuinely starving. That's what I'm sort of like, comparing. Yeah, anyway, so comparing. what I realised, right, so that's why it sort of brings back to that mental health side of things is that when I was experiencing, or you were experiencing anxiety, depression, or giving up alcohol, mm. it's like, this, why is this not easy? It's not fucking easy. And then you realise nothing in life is that easy, and yet you have to work for it to make it I think, I think that's. I think, I think that's very much your experience. And I think, because my experience of life has been very, very different. Very different. I've never found anything easy. I don't think anything's ever fallen into my lap. No, but I, I think um, materialistic things. So think yeah, about... but like, but but my, I knew that this was going to be hard. Like it's like when I was applying to drama school, no one was helping me. I had to fight for that on my own. Like I yeah. knew things like being an actress for the last eight years. I've had to fight for that. Nothing. I haven't had it easy in terms of career. No, I, no I don't think you have. And so this, my recovery and getting sober, 
it's actually been easier than I thought it was going to be because oh, really? I, I was expecting, I didn't think I was going to get through it. I didn't think I'd manage it. And I have somehow, I, I, and I've said before, you will only find this, the real strength that you have within you when you are pushed to find it. Yeah. And I was pushed to such an extent that I had to gather the last scraps of what I had. And you crawled back from it. I, I would, may, I I would say about... that's impossibly hard. And, and I think maybe, maybe I'm, look, I'm looking at materialistic things, right? That's what I'm saying. So mm. when I, you know, I thought things would land on my lap in terms of um, jobs. They, they freaking did. Maybe you from an earlier age. No, I mean, I've had a very different experience. Maybe that's, what, that's why then you could draw yourself out of something is because yeah. actually you had experienced such tough times well, it's, like, it's, like it's like when I was 13 and I was in the last 10 for Luna Lovegood and I was like in the Harry Potter films yeah. and I was in the last 10 for it and I was done like three rounds of auditions and I was like I'm gonna get this role and I didn't get it and I was 13 and had to I was like the disappointment I yeah. felt when that happened and I really had to drag myself back from that and I was 13 and I know that's not a huge thing but yeah. it was a huge but at, at that age look I mean god I sound like our mum, mm. where, you know, you're not the person dying and whatever. Yeah. But, but, but as you get older, you sort of understand that. But at the time, it's all relative. Yeah. It, you, all you wanted to be was an actor. That's mm. all you've ever wanted to be. So that being taken away from you when you get down to the last 10 is mortifying. Because it's the worst thing at your present time that you experience, you know, the worst thing to be dragged away from you. But also, I had tunnel vision massively. So it was like, you, you base all of your self-worth. Um, on, on, out, on outside validation, yeah. And and the same when I was playing rugby, all I wanted to do was be a rugby player, then that got taken away from me because of my injury. Yeah. And to anyone else who thinks, oh, but that's, you know, it's relative, right? That's my experience. But it's your horrible. identity. Tom Lucy and I were discussing this about how with the arts, as it were, a lot of the time it, it consumes our, our entire identity. It's who we are. And so if that becomes unstable looks like it's going to get taken away from you you're like who the fuck am i i don't yeah. know who, i don't know who i am I, d I don't know how to define myself because i define myself by my craft yeah. like and it's and it's really frightening and but i would say it's good to have it or as hard as it is it's it's good to experience the difficulty of it because then it makes you work that much harder also you have to remember, i'm sitting from a period situation right i had a profile to to do a podcast and yeah. build different things and all these different stuff. And someone, and I took risks at the beginning, right? I did a TV show and all this stuff. So I'm definitely mm. speaking from a position where I go, you know, it's going to be hard, but you can push through it. Yeah, maybe yeah, it's, yeah. Maybe some people can't. Yeah. And I get that. Yeah. Um, but I think that, um, I think my experience when I was younger, I think I just thought things would, I didn't think this, mm. but I thought, I, I, and I still have that attitude now. Yeah, it's going to be right. Mm. And, and I still have that a little bit where if you've been beaten down so much when you're younger, it's quite hard to have that optimistic view. But that's how I feel. Yeah, maybe it was. Because I was so beaten down. Maybe it constantly. was, yeah. Was, what was I thinking about the other day that made me laugh so much? What? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> oh, is it Christmas? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that is also the other thing, Lily, like as much as this podcast has been a bit like rural, all these different things, mm. is that um, you and I still have, we laugh together so much. Oh my God, so much. But we also exist on a very similar rhythm, I've noticed. Oh, my God, such a similar rhythm. So similar. And, and we find things similar that make us laugh so much. And you, so you, much. you can make me, out of loads of people, laugh so much. <laughs> so much. And I think that's why we have that great relationship. I feel very protective over very, very close friends. Yeah. But it's a different protection than I have over you. Mm. And that's sometimes why I'm quite harsh as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you want me to be the best that I can be. Yeah, and when yeah, you see yeah. me not, not using or going to the lengths that I can, you get frustrated. Well, I, feel like, I feel like what you would have done, and this is why I'm so proud of your change and things like mm. that, um, is that you would have got to the end of your life mm. and you would have been like, shit. Oh, I really I didn't messed that it. one up. I didn't do it. I didn't do it what I could have done. Mm. And actually now, I, I think you, you're on that path to achieve what you have the potential Oh yeah, achieve. 100%. I feel so much more fulfilled. Yeah, yeah, so, there you go. Exactly. I've got the energy to do it. But like, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough old journey. It it's is, a tough old really journey. It's a, it's a tough old battle axe. It's a pretty <laughs> double battle axe. <laughs> and it's, every day is different. Um, and a good day doesn't inform, doesn't go, I have a good day, therefore it's going to be a good life. I have a bad day, therefore I'm going to have a bad life. Yeah. It's if you take it day by day, it is literally one day at a time. I'm quoting Alcoholics Anonymous here, but it is one day at a time. And you take the journey as it 
comes and do. Sounds great, though. And this Dance podcast is freaking awesome. It's fucking fire. There was this moment when you felt like you felt like you had no friends and you felt very alone and you thought bad things about yourself and it was really uncomfortable and ugly. But what are the things about you that you really love? Oh my God, what the hell? Um, what are I, you proud of? Like what, what am I proud yeah, of? Yeah, what, what, what have you done that you are really um, proud of? I'm proud situation? of my relationship with Sophie. Right. Yeah, That's for sure. Thing. Probably my proudest thing. Um, I'm proud of shit. I don't know, Lou. I was never really that proud of myself. Or like, but things that I, I love how funny you are. I love how kind yeah. you are. And you're like, I think you should acknowledge those things in yourself as well and go. I, what am I proud of? I would say, okay, I'll tell you what I'm proud of. Mm. I, like, truthfully, what I think is, I, someone once said to me, I, I always want to be the funniest in the room. And I always wanted that. I would always leave the room wanting an Uber rating mm. of like 10. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was like, shit, this is what I want. And if, if I haven't done that to someone, then I haven't fulfilled my duty. Yeah. Anyway, it's a funny one. I said, okay, because then people will like me. Yeah. Be popular. Of course. And they said, okay, so you, you want to be a popular person. You want to be a friend to lots of people. And I said, like, yeah, I want to be best friends to everyone. Yeah. They said, okay, what makes a good friend? And I said, um, someone who's loyal and kind and trustworthy. Mm-hmm. They went, okay, so why don't you stop trying to be the funny one, mm-hmm. the joker, and mm-hmm. just be that kind, thoughtful, loyal person that makes a good friend. Exactly. And I went, holy shit. So I think what I'm proud of now, I would say, is my relationship with Soph, because mm. I think that was pretty hard for me to get into, and Sophie's just epic. And um, I she think is. most people who meet me, and they do, they'll probably say he's, he's kind. Yeah. And, I, and I'm pretty, I, I, and I, I, I'm not proud, but I sort of um, no, you hold value, myself You value that. it. Yeah, and once, once you get your values in line of going, yeah. what kind of person do I want to be? Do I want to be a trustworthy person, loyal person? And then you can collect your actions and respond accordingly which are in line with your values yeah so i'd probably say i'd probably say that i'm probably and i'm and i'm easy to work with that's what i'm proud of probably pretty easy to work do you think i'm easy to work with (laughs) i was i'm pretty easy to work with and i think that's key i'm pretty proud of that yeah i think there's so much to be said for that what are you proud of what am i proud of yeah i'm I'm just proud of my recovery i'm proud of the fact that i am an entirely different person to who I was this time last year. And I'm proud of the fact that daily I'm discovering things about myself that I didn't know. Cool is that? It's fucking cool. It's an adventure. I'm so excited. And how cool is it? You're not stuck in that realm of just feeling shit. Oh, and I'm so glad that I'm not going, I feel like shit. Can oh, you yeah, and just, and please playing, love me? I know. And then just and realizing that that's not going to happen. Oh, oh, I don't like my hair. Please love me. I know, God. <laughs> We're so weak. So, so, and I know you hate, I hate weakness. I hate weak. weakness. I can't, that's one thing I can't stand. And I've been... And, and, it's weakness in a different way because we can be we can be weak in like mm-hmm. mental way. It's weak when we have the ability to be strong. Yeah. So it's like I don't want to go outside because it's cold. It's like <laughs> screw you, motherfucker, and get outside. You know what I mean? I mean, like, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. But like, I think maybe because I'm I'm literally for the first time in my life have a sense of self and I'm not living my life by the people's rules that daily exactly. yeah, daily I'm discovering these things and I'm actually excited and seeing I'm excited to see what I am proud of in the future because I know that I'm now acting in line with my values whereas before I had no values and, at um, all. and I'm proud of you on this podcast I think this podcast is going to fly and you just keep hustling at it just keep hustling just keep hustling that's, that's what hustle. it's about when, how, we, what do we say now This has been really, really lovely. Thank you so, so much. Has it been? Have you enjoyed it? I have loved it. Have you loved it? I have loved it. <laughs> what a great, we got to... You didn't even say that I'm your brother at the beginning. Did you think you I just think thought, how the hell do these guys know I think about? I am best known as Jamie Lang's sister. Okay. That is what is on my fucking passport, practically. Okay. Okay. Basically, like, you may know me from such things as the background of Strictly Compassing. <laughs> 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 and uh, Jamie's Instagram yeah. <laughs> really I'm proud of you I like this podcast this podcast is going to fly and whoever's yeah. listening right now um, you're not alone and this too shall pass yeah shall pass whatever you're going through so yeah we got you yeah we've been there too we got you we got you <laughs> metaphorically <laughs> we don't have time to get you <laughs> I love oh, you I love you love you Bye.
Join me next week when my guest is comedian and author Maurice Gorham. As of my next recording, I will be starting the Survivor segment portion at the end of each podcast. Send your stories either via Instagram or email me at contact at whydoyouthink.com with Survivor Story at the top or in the subject line. Big or small, recent wins or long ago struggles, we are here for all of it and all of it will be anonymous unless I'm expressly told otherwise. So don't forget to rate and subscribe and I'll talk to you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.